You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The spread of the more contagious Delta variant of COVID-19 has again disrupted travel plans and the recent summer rebound. In this episode, Doug Parker, American Airlines Chair and CEO, joins Washington Post Live to discuss how the carrier is keeping its passengers and employees safe and the future of the travel industry. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Heather Long, an economics correspondent here at The Post. We've been talking for the last few months about this economic recovery and its many ups and downs. Our guest today is at the heart of it all. Please welcome Chair and CEO of American Airlines, Doug Parker, who's joining us from Dallas. Hi, Doug. Welcome to Post Live. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having us. So there's so much to discuss. Let's start with perhaps the biggest news of the day in the airline world, and that might be the Justice Department appears ready to challenge your partnership between American Airlines and JetBlue in the Northeast Alliance. They uh, seem to be ready to claim that this is anti-competitive and would drive fares higher. How do you respond to those concerns? Um, well, they're wrong, and we'll prove it. If, if indeed, um, as we expect, uh, they issue a lawsuit, uh, we will vigorously defend it. And, and the good news about this is it's, ent- it's entirely pro-competitive. Uh, we, are, we and JetBlue are, put, are putting our networks together uh, to provide more choice to consumers, to increase competition, um, and uh, particularly in the, in the in the Northeast and in New York and Boston, where um, American doesn't have as big a presence as uh, uh, as um, Delta and, and United and JetBlue's uh, is larger than us, but also can't compete as well against them. By putting our networks together, we give more choice to consumers. It's already working, by the way. We've been we've been we've been at this now for. Uh, since January, and we've already uh, increased um, frequencies uh, to new communities by an additional over 50 new cities, uh, market pairs that we've added, uh, about 170 coach share opportunities. <clears throat> and, um, you know, for American Airlines uh, announced our intent to fly international routes that we never would have flown uh, without this JetBlue alliance, without this Northeast alliance, uh, places like Tel Aviv and Delhi and Athens out of JFK uh, that simply wouldn't be flown and won't be flown. Um, if indeed we don't have this alliance. So uh, it's anyway, disappointing. Uh, we we feel really good about what we're doing for consumers and we'll defend it. And I feel quite certain that we'll prevail. And there seems to be some concern that uh, while w- what you're describing is happening in the Boston and New York, the sort of Northeast corridor there, that somehow American and JetBlue would be able to um, perhaps uh, corroborate across other parts of your networks. How can you assure regulators that you will continue to compete vigorously outside of that corridor? Yeah, well, we've already done that, by the way. As part of the DOT allowing this to go forward back in January, we agreed uh, that there'd be no price uh, collaboration, uh, even on the on the on the NEA markets. And furthermore, uh, we divested some slots in. Uh, DC and in, and in New York, and we agreed that um, we would divest more if we couldn't prove over time that the consumer benefits were there, um, and certainly um, that if we weren't vigorously competing elsewhere. Nothing in the arrangement uh, would have us not be vigorous competitors elsewhere. We are vigorous competitors elsewhere. Um, uh, JetBlue is a, is a great airline, but they're an independent airline, and none, this is not about merging or anything like it. Uh, as you'll hear from JetBlue, uh, their view is 
this allows them to remain independent for the long term uh, because it makes them a stronger airline, a stronger independent carrier. So um, anyway, it, we're happy to defend that piece as well. It's, it's uh, ill-founded. So the other big news, we're only here on Tuesday, but in airline world is obviously this announcement from the White House that they will hopefully in early November begin allowing many vaccinated foreign travelers into the United States from about 33 countries. I, I know many of our European readers were especially glad to see that news. Uh, I know we're only about 24 hours in, but are you starting to see bookings increase? Any any immediate reaction? Obviously, your stock price went up, but yeah, it's good news. Uh, we I, I don't have any reports on bookings just yet, but it absolutely will drive bookings. Uh, there, this is something we've been asking for for a while, um, for for good reason. Um, the administration was reluctant to send signals that things were getting better when they're not. Uh, but the but the right way to to allow foreign nationals in the United States is not to do it country by country, uh, but rather to do it on an individual basis. And that's that's what this um, announcement's about. Uh, vaccinated. Foreign nationals will now be allowed to travel uh, to to the United States, um, and uh, that's again uh, now that the vaccine is more prevalent. Certainly in other parts of the world, you know, I was I was in um, the United Kingdom a few weeks ago. Uh, they're 87 percent vaccinated or something like that, and they weren't allowed to come to the United States. Didn't make any sense. Um, so uh, that we, it's good news that we have this um, now behind us. It will allow Europeans to travel to the United States, which they've been asking to do for quite some time, so long as they're vaccinated. Uh, and then, so anyway, it, it's a good announcement for for all of us. Uh, I think it will encourage more vaccinations, uh, which is incredibly important, uh, but also allow uh, people to connect with their families, uh, people from Europe to get to the United States, business to get back operating again. Uh, the business community had been asking for this for quite some time. Uh, the ability to travel easier uh, between Europe and the United States is, is yet another thing that's been holding back some business. So it's, it's good on a number of levels and a much better policy. Yeah. Can you give us kind of a broad update of, of where the airline is at? I know over the summer you sort of said you were still down about 15 to 20 percent, which is not surprising given the world that we're in. Obviously, the Delta variant, we all saw some of those bookings pull back in August. Can you give us a sense of where you're at and whether you think the Delta impact has passed right now? Yeah, happy to. Uh, there's no doubt. The, the, the clip you showed at the start was, I think, me talking around our second quarter earnings in July. Um, at that point, uh, what we had seen is uh, the travel beginning to return. Leisure travel, by the way, has, has been strong um, since the beginning of this year, since since March, uh, and, re and remains strong. We're actually versus 2019, which is the way we like to look at our numbers. In terms of leisure demand, uh, we're as high as we were in 2019. So leisure demand is strong. It's remained strong um, even since uh the, the increase in cases of the variant. Uh, what slowed is business demand, and what we, and it was what was really coming back. So, uh, at, at, the, at again at that time of of our, of our earnings announcement, which was mid July, we were seeing we had seen business travel uh, increase from about 25 percent of where it had been in March of 2021, um, and it had increased to over 50 percent by June. Uh, in July, it actually increased to 65 percent. So it was coming back very quickly. Um, as the variants increased, uh, as the variants increased the number of cases, uh, we've seen that pull back. So August uh, business demand was was much closer to where it was in June, a little over 50 percent. So it's um, it has slowed the rate of growth. Uh, there's it's still again uh, about where it was in June, which is good, uh, but it's it's slowed uh, because businesses have pushed back their return to work dates, and that was then that was driving most of the most of the demand for increase in business travel. So as the variant is 
uh, resulted in more cases. Uh, large corporations have pushed back their return to work dates, and that slowed that rate of growth. But I, I like it all that. I think it's encouraging. What it shows is business wants to travel. Um, and when when things looked better, as they did in July, uh, we saw the rate of growth continue to increase, and we were well on our way back to 100%. Uh, that slowed, but it'll return as we get this all behind us, which is, a, which is an imperative, of course, uh, for our country, uh, an imperative for business to return. Uh, but as we do so, uh, the, the pent-up demand for business travel is 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 very large, um, and we saw it we saw it continue in July, but we saw it pull back a little bit in August. And I don't I don't, I don't think you're going to see it uh, ramp back up again until there's more confidence that uh, this pandemic's behind us. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Do you think that ramp back will happen by the end of the year? I mean, Washington Post, for example, isn't fully back to the office until January. Obviously, many tech companies are in the same boat. Uh, do you do you sort of think you'll get that upswing by the end of the year, or you just don't know? Yeah, I, we really just don't know. Um, it, indeed, uh, you're right. Many corporations just chose to push it out till till early next year, so that will certainly delay what it would have been otherwise. Uh, but we, again, we saw it coming back awfully quickly uh, when rates were falling. As rates begin to fall, I think we'll see it begin to return pretty quickly. Uh, one of the things we notice is that our sm smaller businesses um, are, have come back a lot faster than the larger corporations. And, um, and again, what I suspect is that's because larger corporations have these, you know, uh, return to work policies uh, that, that are, they have been pushed back. So I, we'll see. Um, international travel being uh, being made more easy certainly will help. So, and again, and frankly, it's it's not that important if it happens in the next three months or six months from now. Uh, what's important is the long term. Uh, what's important is making sure that we get this pandemic behind us and people feel comfortable uh, going about their business. And uh, so we're, that's, that's, that's mostly what we're focused on to making sure that that's what Americans ready for. Yeah. Let me ask you one more on that, on that long-term picture. I know you've seen some of these claims and reports by McKinsey Consulting Firm and others that sort of question whether or not business travel ever will get back to 100% of those 2019 levels or whether we've fundamentally changed during this pandemic and we can do more like what you and I are doing right now over Zoom as opposed to having to fly and be together. Uh, you know, do you buy that? I think McKinsey's estimate is even by 2024, they they think it'll only be back about 80% of those pre-pandemic levels. Um, what's your take on that? Do you agree, or you think they're off the mark? Yeah, we we shall see. I don't know that anyone knows for certain. Uh, what I do know, uh, because I've been doing this for a while, is that things that tend to make the world smaller um, result in more demand for for travel. Um, we had these conversations in our business around um, around video conferencing. We had these conversations around the internet uh, being developed, and all those things uh, that make it easier for people to connect around the world tends to make them want to get, eventually get together. Uh, so I think Zoom's a good thing. I think it will it allows people to do certain types of business um, eat more easily, which will allow more people to do more business uh, with others. Uh, but I also think that over time, what that means is we're, you're going to see even more and more demand for global travel. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, this is this is speculation on all of our point uh, on all of our parts at this point. What I do know is um, demand for business travel was coming back very very quickly uh, up through July. Uh, it wasn't back to 100%, but of course it wasn't back to 100%. I, I believe we'll get back to 100% and more sometime, you know, in 2022, 2023. Uh, but we'll see. If not, you'll see you'll see the industry see the industry respond with with mm -hmm. less capacity or capacity in different places. 
So you talked about big corporations obviously delaying their return to the office. Um, you know, a lot of this is debate about uh, vaccinations for workers and trying to get people safe. You know, you all took a really interesting approach. You've obviously strongly encouraged your workers to get vaccinated. You provided them some generous incentives. I believe maybe an extra day of vacation, which sounds pretty good to me, and you know, a gift card. What percent of your workforce is vaccinated by now? Yeah, we don't know exactly because we've given those incentives uh, up through the end of this month um, for people to report. And um, so I don't know exactly, you know, where we're going to end up, but we're, you know, certainly going to be higher than the national average because of those incentives. Uh, but it won't be 100%, uh, I don't believe, uh, just on those incentives alone. But that's where, we, that's where we have chosen to go at American, is to um, strongly support vaccinations, uh, encourage all of our team to get vaccinated. We think that's, we obviously believe that's the right thing uh, for all of us uh, to do in order to, to get this behind us. Um, so we've, we again have, have chosen to give incentives. I think, I, as you note, I think they're probably the best incentives in all of corporate America for individuals to be vaccinated. So uh, we will see exactly where we end up, but, but the other, the other event that's happened, of course, is the administration announcing a couple of weeks ago uh, the uh, requirement that companies of, of over 100 people, which obviously American is, will need to have uh, either everyone vaccinated or do rigorous testing. So our team's going to be subject to that at some point in time. So what we're telling all of our team is, please go get vaccinated uh, now before the end of this month so that you can actually earn that incentive because uh, we're all going to get vaccinated before too long one way or the other. Yeah, that was going to be my question. If you think you'll have to change your stance to actually require it, uh, given what the White House is, is requesting of large companies. Yeah, again, it's our, our stance has been that we believe, like the administration, that everyone should be vaccinated. And the way we've chosen to uh, implement that is by is by motivating and, and trying to incent people to do so, which has been very, very successful, by the way. Uh, but but again, uh, we if indeed the the uh, the mandate now is everyone must be vaccinated um, or rigorously tested tested once a week, uh, we will obviously comply by that mandate. Uh, all, all along, um, as we've been going through this, we've been considering mandates and may have done one yeah. on our own. Uh, what we wanted to do was, was do everything we could first to encourage everyone to do so. Uh, but we, we support the administration's position on this and, and we obviously will comply. And can I ask, have you had any workers or a substantial number of workers quit because they don't want to be vaccinated? I think some of the other airlines said that they were kind of surprised that they didn't see a lot of pushback. I'm curious what it's been like in American. Well, again, it, it, up, to the, it, up to this point, um, no one is, we haven't put people in that position of having to choose whether or not uh, they are vaccinated or employed. Uh, that's coming though, as I said. Um, we've, we've, through our programs, been able to get the vast majority of our team to get vaccinated anyway. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I don't know um, where we'll end up on that. I'm hopeful uh, that by the time we get to where it's required, that everyone, that, that it's a very small percentage of our team that still isn't vaccinated and that we're not going to be forced to make that decision uh, for, or, or, or ask people to have to make, too many people to have to make that decision. Yeah. What about, would you support a federal mandate that all airline passengers have to be vaccinated? Well, 
first and foremost, what I'd point out is how safe air travel is, which I think we've done a nice job through this pandemic of proving. Uh, it's, it's one of the few places left in the United States where you're required to wear a mask due to a federal mandate. Everyone on the aircraft is masked. Uh, the airplane itself, um, as we've as we've proven, is an incredibly safe place to be, particularly if everyone is masked, uh, because of the way the air flows through the aircraft, because of how often it's refreshed. Um, that it's uh, an incredibly safe uh, place to be. Because of all that, um, we don't we don't see the need to require people to be vaccinated to travel within the United States. Um, again, um, simply because it's 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 a much safer place to be where. Uh, then, then, um, then people are are allowed to move about the United States otherwise. So, uh, it's not something that we've opposed. If, if indeed uh, this was something the administration chose to put in place, I think we'd we'd try and encourage them to to think about why that makes sense. Um, but you know, again, we'll, we we will do what's uh, whatever people make thinks thinks makes the most sense to get this pandemic behind us. Uh, but I don't think that's uh, that will be particularly helpful. I, I think much more so. Uh, having large employers require their teams to be vaccinated uh, will have a much bigger impact than trying to go business by business and say these are certain things you can and can't do unless you're vaccinated, particularly those it. that are the most safe. Okay. Uh, so my next question you can probably anticipate. As soon as I said I was going to have this conversation with you, I got flooded with stories of people who who have flown recently, who've had canceled flights, who've had delayed flights, and in, in particular, who've been stuck on airplanes or even had to get off because of crew problems. Somebody timed out while they were waiting on the tarmac, the pilot can't fly now, or we need a whole new flight attendant crew. Uh, what is going on? Why are we seeing so many of these situations with delays and with crew timing out? Yeah, thanks. Ho hopefully, hopefully most of those notes were from a few months ago and not recently, because we're, we're as of as of the last month and a half. Certainly, we at American have been flying a, a, as good an airline and as good on-time performance completion factors we've ever had. Uh, but absolutely, as we were ramping up and as other airlines were ramping up, uh, what we found was. Uh, in some cases, and uh, in the case of Americans, where I can talk to the easiest, uh, in the in the tail end of June, uh, you know, we we grew our airline in June some 50% higher than it was three months earlier. Um, we, thanks to um, some really nice government policy called uh, the payroll support program, all of our team was still on board and being paid, but they weren't all fully. Uh, they weren't they weren't active. They hadn't all been. Um, they weren't still eligible to fly. They need you know. Airline pilots in particular need to go through rigorous training to get current again. Um, and we just, as we did that, we found in the tail end of June, we didn't, we ended up with uh, not enough pilots um, as, as we hit some bad weather, not enough reserve pilots available uh, to fly our schedule. So what we did is we took aggressive action and we canceled flights out in advance uh, to make sure that we could indeed uh, handle what, what we had scheduled that was, that was fixed rather quickly. Uh, and like I say, through July and, and particularly August and September, we're flying a really, really good airline right now. Really proud of our team and what we've done. But there's no doubt. I mean, this, these times are challenging for all of us throughout the country. We've never seen situations like this. We've never grown our airline 50% in three months. And uh, things like that will occur. Um, but we're, as they do, we're getting them fixed. We've, we've seen not so much at American uh, a need with our employees uh, to shortages or anything close to it. Um, but we certainly see it in other parts of the economy, uh, things like uh, drivers, uh, fuel trucks, drivers of catering trucks, um, wheelchair pushers, et cetera, other items, uh, other areas where we've needed to make sure that we're really aggressive about helping our contractors uh, ensure they have enough people. And we continue to do that. But 
I do feel good about where we are now. It uh, doesn't mean other, other areas won't pop up as demand comes back and we grow more. Uh, but right now, as I say, we're, we're flying a really, really good airline and really proud of what the team's doing. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about some of the contractors. I was going to ask you what the hardest position is to hire for for you right now. Uh, but it sounds like maybe you're spending more time thinking about filling some of those contractor positions to get everything back up to speed. How would you answer what the toughest hire is in your industry yeah, right now? Yeah, at, yeah. At American, we're 95% unionized, are very high-paying jobs. Uh, we certainly don't have trouble recruiting people um, to to work at American Airlines. Um, but we do find, and and we are learning how fully integrated our business is. Um, it, in terms of uh, our dependency on other companies that that do in some cases um, have have much bigger challenges. So uh, where we've seen it, the, where we've seen it the hardest again is, um, well, it probably I'd say the most is in terms of the the biggest impact on the operation was uh, drivers uh, drivers for catering trucks and drivers for fuel trucks, uh, which obviously we need both um, to fly the airline, particularly fuel trucks. So those have been the most challenging. We've worked with our vendors in that case um, to make sure that they are paying uh, what needs to be paid in order to attract and retain retain people. Um, and we've, we've obviously um, agreed to pay that cost uh, so that they can pay people what it takes uh, to make sure that we have what we need. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what about supply chain challenges? Uh, are you all, I mean, obviously you've added a lot of new air aircraft in recent years, but you know, lately are you having trouble getting parts or some of these other supply chain issues hitting you all? Well, we haven't yet because we, well, I said we, we're growing, we're growing back. Um, so we already have enough aircraft. We have enough parts in place to maintain those airplanes. So we haven't, we haven't, we're not in a huge need of, of uh, new uh, you know, parts and airplanes to be produced. Uh, we are we are certainly seeing at some of our um, at Boeing, example for example, with the 787 delays, that's having an impact. But I don't think that that's much more of a certification issue than it is a supply chain issue. Uh, one interesting issue we've seen in our business as it relates to supply chain is again fuel. Um, uh, one of the one of the other strange things that you know we never really, at least I never realized, uh, having been in this business a long time, is that uh, the pipelines. In, a large, in, in uh, much of the country, uh, the way the pipelines are allocated is based on the prior 12 months usage. And 12 months ago, there wasn't a lot of usage going to, you know, jet fuel going to airports in certain parts of the country. And when that's your allocation method, and that's what you stick to, all of a sudden you find uh, we found ourselves needing to truck fuel into airports um, such as Reno and, and, and other parts of the country, uh, which is, again, one of these um, very strange things about the economy we're in now uh, that you learn about how all this is done that made sense in a steady state environment, but don't make sense at all in uh, the world we're in today. So we keep working through things like that. Like I say, there's, there are challenges that we're all working through uh, that we've never seen to have to work through in, in uh, decades running this business, but we're fighting through them all. Yeah. I want to ask you, you were very vocal in uh, speaking out during 2020 and the need for government support for the airline industry and airline industry jobs. Obviously, the industry did end up getting uh, over 60 billion and you know, about 75,000 jobs were saved. Um, obviously, some people do the quick math in their head and sort of say, gee, that's you know, 300,000 or more dollars per job. You know, was that a good use of, of government funding? Sort of, that seems like a very high number. How do you respond to people who think that, gee, why did it need to be so much money for the airlines? Yeah, well, I think that's bad math. Uh, we, we saved a lot more than 75,000 jobs. I think we saved the industry. Uh, we, um, 
we were in a position where the, the government was looking to help. One of the ways they wanted to help was just giving us loans. Um, and again, we would have accepted that. But with the demand where it was back in 2020, um, you know, as public companies given loans, the right thing for us to do with demand that low would have been to shut our airlines down and furlough everyone and just add back capacity when demand came back. That, by the way, is the policy that much of the rest of the world is doing. When I told you I was in Europe recently and um, the British Airways team told me that 80% of their flight attendants are still on furlough. Uh, we haven't furloughed any flight attendants at American Airlines and neither of our competitors because the policy we put in place in this country uh, through something called the payroll support program was to pay the airlines to pay their teams. We, we accepted, uh, those of us that accepted these funds, which we all did, agreed not to furlough anyone uh, and to, to continue service to every market uh, that had air service before. And we did that despite there not being nearly enough demand to keep everyone employed uh, and to serve all those markets. Um, but we were being paid to do so by our government, a much better policy than having all those people be on unemployment and us not deciding when to bring them back until we knew demand was there. So we saved a lot more than 75,000 jobs. I think we saved several hundred thousand jobs um, because I don't know where we'd be as an industry now. Uh, and not to mention the consumer benefit of the importance of what we do as commercial airlines to keep the country moving, to allow the country to continue moving through a pandemic, some of it incredibly important moving things like vaccines, moving people that are healthcare providers, all that, you know, our government had the, had the foresight to look at and say, okay, what we'd rather do rather than having, giving you some money to stay afloat as a corporation, uh, and then you have, and have you furlough everyone. Instead, what we're gonna do is give you, give you some support, but you agree not to furlough anybody. And that's what we did, yeah. it's worked. Uh, that policy, by the way, um, is expired. That 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 PSP program expires right. the end of this month, and for the first time, it's expiring. And there's not one single uh, Warren Act notice out there from a single airline saying you're going to be furloughed on October 1st. Uh, the program is going to expire. Demand has now come back, and we're all um, not only have we not furloughed people, we at American are hiring in every workforce. So I think it was yeah. fantastic policy. I'm proud we supported it. I'm proud of our government for putting it in place, and I'm really happy for our team because we all did that. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, you know, another thing that often comes up from readers is obviously they look at, say, your CEO pay and they see a big number like 10 million last year. Now, we should point out that that is mostly through stock compensation. Um, but that seems, you know, pretty high to a lot of people. And I'm just wondering, are you supportive, you personally, of uh, the current administration's calls for higher taxes on millionaires. Do you think a little bit higher is maybe the more just and equitable thing to do? Yeah, well, first on my own. Yeah, the uh, again, I, I do. I get paid entirely in stock, and when the, when the stock goes down, I obviously make a lot less. Um, and which I think it should, as I think it should be. Um, and furthermore, as part of that PSP program that I described. Uh, You'll see next year, you know, that mine and other airline executives' compensation is much, much lower uh, because that included severe restrictions on executive compensation and reductions. Uh, so I think my pay next year will be down some 40 percent, which is where it was. Again, not complaining about that, just noting uh, that we we agreed um, to large cuts in executive compensation in exchange uh, for those funds that I talked about as well. 
As it relates to taxes on um, high net worth individuals, you know, I think this is an American Airlines position, is a personal opinion. Um, yeah, I, I'm certainly happy to pay more. Uh, I think that's a, that's a right, uh, that's an obligation uh, for those of us as Americans uh, to make sure that we're paying our fair share. And again, high net worth individuals will argue they're paying more than their fair share. Uh, but those of us that can't afford to pay more, I think, have an obligation to be willing uh, to do so uh, if indeed it, if it helps the country move forward. So again, that's 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 my own personal view, not an American Airlines view. It's not really an American Airlines question. Uh, but I think that's I think again, I think it's probably more pervasive than people think uh, that, uh, that that you know those of us uh, that are fortunate enough uh, to to make more should pay more. Thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry we've run out of, uh, I've got a lot more for you, like on unruly passengers, but maybe we'll chat about that next time. Thank you for joining us at Washington Post Live. Thanks, Heather. I appreciate it. And thanks to our audience for tuning in to another great discussion about where we are in this recovery and what's next. As always, you can find out our great upcoming speakers at WashingtonPostLive.com and on Twitter and YouTube. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.